It is Tuesday, April 25th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Jets finally get their quarterback. And the Bucks are up against it. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, official. The Milwaukee Bucks on the brink of elimination. And the Tampa Bay Rays keep on winning. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? J. E-T-S, Jets, 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 the Winnipeg Jets. No, 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 no. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers finally is a New York Jet. The Jets and Packers completing the trade yesterday. It is a flip-flop of first-round picks. So the Jets go from 13 to 15, the Packers from 15 up to 13, The Packers will also get a second-round pick this year, the number 42 overall pick, a fifth-round pick this year, and a 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first-rounder if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this upcoming season. Your first reaction, AJ. My first reaction is this seems fair. Like, it felt like... The Jets were trying to play real hardball and get Aaron Rodgers for next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And the pa- I think the reason this took so long is the Packers said, we're not playing that. Like, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to get ro- – and I can't blame the Packers. Listen, guys like Aaron Rodgers don't come around often, like guys that mean that much to a franchise. And sometimes the PR hit for moving on from a guy like that is so negative that – it's not worth whatever you get in compensation. So the, the the Packers felt like they needed to get something real in return from the Jets here. And all this talk about not wanting to give up a first-round pick, and it's like the Jets had to look themselves in the mirror and mm-hmm. say, boy, if we don't do this, we're looking at another season of Zach Wilson, which basically means we're looking at a playoff-caliber roster that is wasted because the quarterback play is inept. Yeah. So they said, you know what? Let's do this deal. They swap first round picks this year, and I don't think that matters much. That will, to me, that's a win for the Jets. Is that they still oh, have a first round pick, and they just moved down two slots. Yeah. Guess what? The third best offensive lineman who is still going to be available. Yes. Now the the key here is this conditional second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays sixty five percent of the snaps. Which he that's a win win. Yes. Because if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps... The Jets are going to the playoffs. Jets are happy to give up their first-round yes. pick because it's probably the 27th pick but, or 25th pick. Well, like, they're, they're hoping it's the 32nd. But this is, <laughs> the, this, is the, this is the problem with that whole deal. There is a worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is that Aaron Rodgers is what Brett Favre was to the Jets. And what I mean by that is Brett Favre came to the Jets... They were eight and three. They were playoff. They were Super Bowl favorites. One of the Super Bowl favorites in the AFC at eight and three. Favre gets hurt. The Jets wind up missing the playoffs, and then Brett Favre leaves and goes to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. There is a scenario where Aaron Rodgers plays twelve games, mm-hmm. 
and gets hurt. And he gets hurt. And the Jets wind up missing the playoffs. He plays 65% of the snaps. Yeah. But the Jets still miss the playoffs. And then they don't have a first-round pick. Or whatever happens with the Jets, maybe Rodgers hopefully stays healthy. And they get to the playoffs. Maybe they lose in the wild card round. Maybe they lose in the divisional round. Maybe they lose in the conference championship or the Super Bowl, whatever it is. And Aaron Rodgers decides he's done. Now the Jets are in the market for a quarterback and, they and have do a not have a first-round pick. No matter what number that first-round pick is, they won't have it. So what this deal actually tells me is that the Jets have a good feeling, or at least Aaron Rodgers has told them he plans to play for two years. I think so, but I think Aaron Rodgers is also the kind of guy you can't trust his word. I agree, but I don't think... I think it's a bad deal to give up the condition of it becoming a first-round pick if you don't at least have a feeling that Rodgers is going to be here beyond one season. I don't disagree, but that's the price of doing business at this point. Mm. Like, And you have to look at what, again, I go back to what was the Jets' alternative at this, at this stage of the game if the Packers said no. We're just going to – Aaron Rodgers can be unhappy here. We don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Let him let him be angry. Okay. What do the Jets do? I mean, what realistically, what is out there that the Jets could do? And no options. And no options that would cost them less than a first-round pick. Like, that, would, that was going to – if you wanted a real option, it was probably going to cost you more than a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think the Jets realize, listen, we, we've got to take a gamble here. We've got a team that's on the brink. We need someone to push us over the edge. Aaron Rodgers. I think the the biggest concern to me is, is Aaron Rodgers still a a high-level quarterback? I know Aaron Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson, which the Jets were close enough last year that even if they had not quality, but even like respectable quarterback play, they're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're a I don't know if they're a contender, but they're scary. Well, right now they are a contender. I, if, if you're just based on the odds, they're a contender. Jets are 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. And there really wasn't a change by getting Aaron Rodgers because everyone knew they would eventually get Aaron Rodgers. Are they a contender though? Like, because saying they're a contender means they're in the same conversation as Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. Are they there? I said the odds say that they're a contender. Okay. All right. Well, I think they're a step below all those teams, but I think they're they're the top of the next tier. The odds certainly say that. Chiefs uh, plus 625, Bills plus 850, Bengals plus 925. Then you've got Jets, next AFC team, Dolphins 21, Jags, no, excuse me, Chargers 23. So they look at the the Jets as the top team outside those big three in the AFC who uh, – it's hard to imagine anybody breaking into that big three. Hey, let's keep in mind, the Jets were a 7-10 and 10 team last year with no quarterback. With dreadful quarterback. With no quarterback. Yeah. And they had the offensive rookie of the year at a wide receiver position with no quarterback. Yeah. That's how good this kid is. And they would have had the offensive rookie of the year at the running back position if Brees Hall didn't get hurt. They have the defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner. This is a roster that is built to contend right now, and they finally brought in a quarterback who, 
if he plays even close to what he did play in his back-to-back MVP seasons, the Jets are a playoff team. And right now, if I get, if, uh, there's no guarantees. But if I told you that the Jets were 90% going to be a playoff team, that you take it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what happens beyond. Yeah. I agree. Getting into the playoffs is what's important. It's for a this huge team. it's a huge leap for that team. I agree. And let's face it, the head coach there, what's this going to be? Year 3 or 4 for him. This is year 3 for Robert Sala. If you go to in, if you go through 3 years and you haven't made the playoffs, people start to uh to get a little short. Mm-hmm. They start to go we sure this is the guy? Although you go from four and thirteen in your first year to seven and ten in your second year, and then you make the playoffs, maybe ten and seven your yeah, third year, agreed. 11, eleven and six. But if you don't make the playoffs in year three, people well, if you don't say make the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers winds up playing the whole season. There's some real everyone's got to go. But like, remember you you mentioned the Jets being seven and ten last year. The Jets were seven and four yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did not win a game in the last six games. That's what happens like, when you have no quarterback. They, they, it feels like they can only go mm-hmm. up. Uh, they play in a division, I think, that generally is weaker going into this year than it was a year ago. The, the Patriots, they, like going into last season, the Patriots thought they had their quarterback. They don't. The, the Patriots situation is very similar to the Jets. Like the fact that they were eight and nine with the quarterback they play, they got mm-hmm. is, is pretty impressive. Except the Patriots didn't go out and fix it. The, the Jets have tried to do that. The Dolphins, I think most people were surprised, po- positively surprised by their quarterback play last season. Of no one thought Tua would like. Everybody thought Tua was maybe even not just an average guy. He turned out to have a fantastic season, but now he's got real health questions. Yeah, the Bills. It's going to be hard for the Bills to be better than they were last year. Like the Bills, money's catching up to the Bills. Mm-hmm. Like now they're starting to pay for Josh Allen real money. And it's it's hard to keep the roster around him. So the Jets are in a division where there's no dead bodies to step on, mm-hmm. but it's generally softer right now than it was a year ago. There's really no excuse for the Jets not to make the playoffs. No, there's not. Um, as far as the the other parameters of this deal, I thought the Jets did a fantastic job. You still have a first-round pick. You moved down two slots. Not a big deal. The second-round pick that you gave up is the second-round pick that you got from Cleveland in the Elijah Moore trade. Yep. So they still have a second round pick. And by the way, it's the next pick. The Jets had the 43rd pick. So yeah. they had 42 and 43. And giving up the fifth round pick, no one cares. So the real, the only thing that you can even talk about in this deal that might be a negative for the Jets is if that 2024 pick is a first rounder and Aaron Rodgers is not on the team. Yeah. That's the only scenario where this doesn't work out for the Jets. And I really think this, like the the Jets making the playoffs this coming year, like it may be a like a, a decision maker on Robert Sala. Like if they mm-hmm. don't, and there's no there's no quarterback coming in, there, there's no first round draft pick to get a new quarterback. Yeah. Like how is how is how is twenty twenty four going to be better than this coming year. Yeah, it's, not. it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, with if Aaron Rodgers plays both years, it's unlikely that year two of Aaron Rodgers is better than year one at his age. Mm-hmm. So this is almost this. You could say this is a make or break decision for the Jets, like for the head coach, for the front office. Well, like this is a, let's talk about Joe Douglas. Balls are on the table. The general manager who his first two drafts were not good. We're not great. 
But this last draft was phenomenal. He hit a home run. He did. And but now, remember, there's a lot of rookies that have fantastic year ones yes. and then disappear. But now he is tying everything to Aaron Rodgers and this roster that he has built. This team has to go to the playoffs or else everyone's gone. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers comes back for another year if this season winds up being a failure. I agree. That's why it's hard for me to get to like I the the 14 to 1 on the Jets. I'm not interested. Like mm. I, I don't know. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a good enough quarterback right now to lead a team to the to the Super Bowl. Like I, I, Aaron Rodgers wasn't a good enough quarterback last year to take a team to a, a, a better than 500 record. Uh, I, I don't think that he's winning a Super Bowl. Would you bet the New York Jets? Yes, minus 150 to make the playoffs. That's the that's what I would like. That's that's is. I'm not bullish on them as far as like winning a title. I think this has to put them over the playoff hump. Yeah. So I, I think, yes. I, I will say to, today, the day after Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets, probably the worst possible day to make that bet. <laughs> uh, I, I certainly wouldn't want to bet the no on it, uh, whatever regular, the comeback is. Regular season wins over 9.5 minus 145. Oof. Well, they have to win 10 games. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins made the playoffs last year at nine and eight. Yeah, it's rare. Uh, I don't know. I guess if it's with, rare with the extra wild yeah, card I, I, now. I don't know if it is rare. I think the last team is going to often be a nine-win team. Uh, Seahawks made it last year with nine wins. The the Giants made it with nine wins. I I, I think that's so. Gonna, so you're better off than betting the minus one fifty to make the playoffs rather than the over nine and a half and minus one forty-five. Way better, yeah, right? Because you can make the playoffs with nine wins. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right about that. Uh, well, and if they win more than nine and a half, they make the playoffs. Exactly, so it's a winning bet anyway. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You cover your ass by getting uh, getting to the playoffs at nine and eight. Yeah, that's the that's the bet to make right mm-hmm. now. If if you want to, if you're bullish on the Jets, that's the way to do it. So the Jets have they moved down from thirteen to fifteen in the NFL draft. I said it doesn't affect them one bit because. The Jets are probably in the market for an offensive lineman, right? And the third best offensive lineman was probably going to be available at 13. So I would assume that they're going to be available at 15 as well. What are you seeing? Uh, I know you've been doing some draft stuff here. You've been talking to your guy, Lance. As far as like mock drafts are concerned, um, Top offensive linemen in the draft, where do they go? Uh, it, right now, it looks like the the top of the offensive line pile is Skaronsky, and it looks like he's going to be back in top ten. Uh, so I and so I not Paris Johnson from uh, Ohio State. Uh, both mock drafts I was looking at today, one was at NFL.com, one was at CBS. Both had Skaronsky going just inside the top ten. And Paris Johnson going just outside the top ten, eleven, okay, uh, ish, and then that the third guy is Broderick Jones from Georgia. That would probably be where the the Jets would would be looking. My concern was originally maybe the the Jets or the Packers would be looking at an offensive lineman, but mm-hmm. it seems like everything I'm reading the off the the. Offensive skill players, that's where the, the Packers have to go because they have to put they have to give Jordan mm-hmm. Love some kind of weapons. 
uh, if if he's going to have a fighting chance. So the so, the, uh, the latest mock draft that I am looking at uh, had the Packers taking Dalton Kincaid, the tight, tight end, end from Utah, at thirteen, and then the Jets getting Broderick Jones, the tackle from Georgia, at fifteen. Yeah, I, it feels like the Jet. That's who the Jets are going to end up with. It just does. Uh, like, I think you said this a few weeks ago. And if they're if it's not Broderick Jones, it's Darnell Wright. They're taking an offensive lineman. Yeah, and the, I think the Jets are t- the Jet or excuse me, the Packers are probably they're either locked into a tight end or a wide receiver. The most experienced wide receiver on the Packers roster today mm-hmm. is Romeo Dubs. If if that's yeah. your number one guy. You need a wide receiver. Boy, if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to 13. And that's entirely possible. That's then, probably then the Packers have to take him. I think so. Packers have to take him. You're right. They need a skill position. They, yeah. they need skill position players because they got to surround Jordan Love with, with somebody. And and would they love to have an offensive tackle? Sure. Uh, could they use one? Yeah. But is is it their top priority? I, I don't think so, particularly because – they have a lot. They need help at wide receiver. They need help at corner. They need help on the defensive line. They, they've got a lot of needs. Uh, so I, it feels like they can't prioritize that because that would be my only concern if I'm the Jets. Is we swap picks and now you take the guy that we want <laughs> because if the Packers take the third best offensive tackle on the board, well, I will say this: if the Packers believe that Jordan Love is an athletic enough guy that he could elude some pass rush or he can make up for deficiencies in an offensive line by escaping sacks, then you go out and you get yourself a a wide receiver or a tight end or something. You draft offensive line when you need to protect your pocket passer, right? Here's the question. If you're the Packers – like, what's your priority with Jordan Love? Do you want to see if he can run around and make plays with his feet, or do you want to see if he can pass in the NFL? You want to see if he can pass in the NFL? Because you're about to have to pay him. Mm-hmm. You don't want to pay him if you don't know. Like, the the freaking Ravens don't want to pay Lamar Jackson because <laughs> they're not sure if he can throw, which is crazy to me, but they're not sure. The Packers cannot pay Jordan Love unless they're certain he can throw the football. And that's got to be their priority. But – He's got to have someone to throw it to. So, and Romeo Dobbs is not like that. Can't be. It's hard to get a good read mm-hmm. on if Jordan Love can play quarterback if the best guy he's throwing to is Romeo Dobbs. All right. So on DraftKings, they have some draft specials. Position of the team's first drafted player: Jets offensive lineman minus two seventy. That's a fair price. Now we look at the Packers. But here's the question: Would like after those top three guys? If if the Jets show up at fifteen, those top three guys are gone. Do they go all the way to Darnell Wright, who like is yeah. most play most most mocks have him like late first round? Do you, oh, do you just I've seen reach him go higher than that? Yeah, I think I think yeah. I I've think. seen him almost exclusively in the twenties. So I mean, is it that much of a position of need that they would reach that far, because or do you trade down? Mackay Becton's been kind of a disappointment, you know. Yeah. I I, th- I think they I think you kind of have to uh, go. Hey, listen, you got the quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, you got the running back in in Brees Hall. You gotta <laughs> you need offensive line. And this is something else that you sh- you should keep in mind. We don't know how the top of the draft is going to go. I, like I don't know. I, I, I'm certain. I'm I shouldn't say I'm certain. 
I'm 95% certain Bryce Young's going number one. Yes. Beyond that, I'm not real sure what's going to happen with mm-hmm. quarterbacks. But if if Stroud, Richardson, or Levis, if one of those three guys falls outside the top, you know, 12, 13. Packers. No, I'm thinking, well, it, it would if you're would you if you're the the Packers when the Patriots are right behind you, I mean I guess it's an option, but there might be teams wanting to trade up, is what I'm thinking. But it, if the if the Patriots don't take one, maybe the Jets, like somebody wants to trade up and get that get that pick, mm. and maybe the Jets can fall back a little bit, still get an offensive tackle that they like, and not have to use the 15. I, I think if you I think the Jets right now, whether it's Skaronsky whether it's Broderick Jones or whether it's Darnell Wright, they will have one of those three, and that's why the odds are minus 270 on them to take an offensive lineman. The Packers, meanwhile, defensive lineman or edge rusher, plus 160, wide receiver, plus 250, tight end, plus 250. Mm. Sprinkle a little half unit on wide receiver and tight end? Yeah, I think that's the way to go. The problem is if Jackson Smith and and Jigba – I like Jordan Addison a lot. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem like mock drafters like Jordan Addison as much as I do. Like to me, if if Smith and Jigba's gone, it's not a there's not a huge gap uh, between him and Addison. Uh, if I'm the so if I'm the Packers, if Smith and Jigba's gone, I'm still taking Jordan Addison. But there, it does seem like most uh, most big boards mock drafts have a pretty big fall off between if, Smith and Jigba. If, and if, if Smith and Jigba's gone, you take Kincaid. Kincaid has more of an upside than Jordan Addison. But then I'm reading Kincaid's got back issues. Like he's he's not totally healthy. So it, like like I don't know. See, the, the thing with tight a ends, lot of moving parts. Exactly. The thing with tight ends too is you have to keep in mind they're also important in the blocking game. Mm-hmm. And you got a good tight end that's not only a great route runner and can catch passes and can line up and spread out wide and be a wide receiver, but can also stay inside and block, that's valuable. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I would sprinkle a little bit on wide receiver plus 250 and tight end plus 250 for um, the Packers' first position drafted. Plenty of NFL draft talk coming up over the next couple of days. The first round is on Thursday. Could you believe it's already here? It's time, baby. There's so much stuff going on right now. We have the NBA playoffs. We have Stanley Cup playoffs. Major League Baseball is happening every single day. You know, the draft is just going to come up on us. I love it. Come on. But, hey, Aaron Rodgers is a jet. That's all that matters. I knew you'd be happy about this. The Milwaukee Bucks, AJ, on the brink of being eliminated. 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 Who saw this coming? Uh, no one that I know. I, I did say, like I'm an NBA expert, I did say coming into this series that it felt like the Heat, who have been, it has never felt like they were going to win the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference in the last five years, but it feels like they're one of the teams that's always there. Yeah. It felt like they were just an afterthought this season. Like, no one was taking them seriously. And listen, they had to get into the play-in. Uh, but Jimmy Butler is not one to just, walk away with, without without making some noise. And boy, did he make some noise last night as the Heat take care of business. Uh, this is what I was saying, though, about it, Giannis. He, we, the line assumed he would be back. Mm-hmm. 
Did Giannis look like he was Giannis to you no, last he night? He scored 26 points, but he still wasn't dominant Giannis, where Jimmy Butler was dominant Jimmy Butler, 56 six, points. Yeah. Six turnovers for Giannis as well. Mm-hmm. And Brooke Lopez ended up being the best player on yeah. the floor for uh, – And, and for... this this line shot up. So I, I was listening back to yesterday's podcast, and I said when I first gave out the line, I said five and a half is a little bit disrespectful for Miami. And I should have just stuck with that first gut because that was the right side of this game. But I said five and a half was disrespectful to Miami. But then I also said, well, Giannis is definitely going to play. And so the spread is going to move. Remember, I told you guys, if you were listening in the future, you were supposed to tell me about the future. And the line shot up to seven and a half. CLV. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Or you could have taken the heat at seven and a half if you wanted to. Didn't matter either way. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so the line did shoot up because once the public got wind of Giannis playing with this, essentially the season on the line, because we gave you the stats about the teams that very rarely come back from down three games to one, they needed this win. And Giannis came back. It wasn't enough, though. Jimmy Butler was fantastic. The, the game of his life. 56 points as the Heat take a three games to one series lead. One turnover for Jimmy Butler. He was fantastic. And he had to pick up the slack because we talked about all the injuries that the Miami Heat have dealt with, right? We talk about, you know, losing Tyler Hero. We talked about losing uh, Victor Oladipo. And he carried a team. You know, Kevin Love started. Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a lineup of Kevin Love, you know, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Jimmy Butler played a heck of a game where no one else needed to contribute besides him because he did it all for the Miami Heat. Yeah, it was the next the next biggest guy. It's like you look you look through their roster and it's like, oh well, nobody really did anything. Like no, well, Bam did what Bam does. You know, he's he's fifteen ten a game. Uh, that's that's what he's going to provide for you. You didn't get any scoring from Kyle Lowry off the bench. No. You didn't get any scoring from um, from Duncan Robinson. So it was all Jimmy Butler. And, you know, give credit where credit's due. This, this Miami Heat team, you mentioned, every year they seem like they're in it, right? And this was a team that made the NBA Finals in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And no one remembers or cares. Because, I mean, did the bubble really happen? Yeah, like, did, you people did, have to forget it because they want to discredit LeBron. So in turn, they just have to say, "Well, that that series just never happened." So that's why people forget about it. Yeah, it never it never happened. Like Le- LeBron and the, the 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 Lakers didn't win the championship, and the Miami Heat didn't win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so it can't be a kid that couldn't have happened. But no, this was a this th- that was like the emergence of this team. And now we're seeing it a couple of years later. They're they're certainly not as good as they were, but they still have this pedigree. They still have this makeup. Well, here's where we are. Miami Heat headed back to Milwaukee now. Minus 155 to win the series. The Bucs plus 130. Bucs have to win three straight games. And two of those games have to be in Miami? Yeah. No. They have to no, win. Two, two of them have to be in uh, – two of them will be in Milwaukee. Two of them will be in Milwaukee, but they have to win one game on the road. Yeah. One chance, uh, one game, it's all it takes for the Heat to win. I, I, man, I kind of want to bet on the Bucks, <laughs> But what I saw is from Giannis – Plus 130 is just not enough. It's not enough. And what I saw from Giannis, it just 
It wasn't good enough. I'll be honest. It wasn't good enough. But here's what we will see. We will see the if you want to bet the Miami Heat, just take them plus the points in the next game. The Milwaukee Bucks, 11 and a half point favorites. How about you take the Heat plus 500 on the money line? I, that's insane. I, I mean, why not just take 11 and a half points? Do you think Jimmy Butler's just going to go out and get embarrassed? I don't give, think so. Give me plus 500 on the money line. I, uh, maybe so. Yeah, I, I feel like he is. You know, what's, uh, you know, you know what you got to do. You have to bet the Heat on the money line in every game. You get plus five hundred in this game. If they lose, they're going to be. They were seven and a half point dogs. Yeah. In in in, in the game last night. So you got to figure that that's going to be at least a plus two hundred to plus two fifty. And then if it does get to game seven, I got to be honest. That eleven and a half is probably like thirteen. <laughs> you think so? If the if the Bucks win uh, two yeah, straight, yeah, you're games, probably right. Yeah, having won two straight, yeah. You're well, it depends. Right. Obviously, if they if they whether maybe they don't cover, but if they win two straight games and they look like the dominant team at home in Game Seven, yeah, maybe that spread is higher. But boy, that plus five hundred is really sexy. That is pretty juicy. I kind of I want to get a piece of that. Hmm, that sounds good. I'll have that. Uh, elsewhere, last night. The Lakers take a commanding three games to one lead, beating the Grizzlies in overtime, 117-111, in what was almost an epic fail from LeBron James. And what do I say by that? Yeah, LeBron had 20 rebounds in this game. He had 22 points, 20 rebounds, and seven assists. First Laker in the playoffs with a 20-point, 20-rebound game since? I'm going to say... There was a guy that was tall and bald mm-hmm. and won a lot of championships and used to be called Lou Alcindor. No, but not quite that long. You no? had everything right until then. Shaquille O'Neal, tall, bald, oh, won a lot okay, of championships. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. 2004, <laughs> last time that happened. So uh, it has Kareem been ne- some time. Uh, well, I'm sure Kareem did have a 2020. Oh, I'm sure, but it's the first one since 2004. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I wasn't even thinking about Shaq. No, my bad, Shaq. Um But LeBron at the end of the game, this was a tie game at the end of regulation I'm talking about. The Lakers get a rebound with maybe 36 seconds left, I want to say. right around there. Right around that time. And LeBron's got the ball, and he's just milking the clock. And I'm screaming at the screen, two for one, two for one. Because the Lakers were in a position to guarantee themselves the final possession. But LeBron milked the clock, winds up driving and passing to Rui Hachimura, who gets blocked by Jaron Jackson Jr., resulting in a fast break opportunity where uh, John Morant passes it back to Desmond Bain. He lays it in. The Grizzlies take the lead with six seconds left. Almost an epic failure by LeBron James. But, But LeBron giveth and LeBron taketh. And LeBron giveth again because he took it upon himself in the closing seconds to drive the lane, put the ball high off the glass over the outstretched arms of Jaron Jackson Jr., gets the friendly roll, Lakers tie the game, and we go to overtime. And in overtime, Lakers got the better of it. Jock couldn't, his hand was obviously hurting him. He shot a three that was 
looked like such an ugly shot. This was after he had a floater that was just ugly as well. And then he's shaking his hand like it's clearly hurting him, uh, whether it's making it up or not. It clearly impacted him. And the Lakers win 117-111. They wind up covering. This thing closed at four and a half points. The Lakers cover in overtime. Usually overtimes were underdogs. Uh, oh, oh, overtime is where underdogs go to die. But uh, that's what happened here again. The underdog went to die in overtime. Lakers win 117-111. Now Lakers three games to one lead in the series. Do you give Memphis any chance to, no, win, to come back? No, I don't. I think, they're, I think they're dead. Uh, this was their chance. Uh, they they fought their way back into this game with the Lakers. Uh, like made a, a great run at the end of the first half to get them back into it, and to lose in this way. No, it's hard for me to see them having another uh, another run at them. Grizzlies four point favorites in game number five. Any interest? No. Would you take the Lakers? I think I would. Yeah, I, I think this is this was the uh, the dream crusher. I, I think they die. Okay. Well, that's the case. Then take Lakers plus 150. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. so. Uh, so that's what happened last night in the NBA playoffs. Here's what's on your schedule tonight. A couple of chances or three chances for series to end and all three home teams with the chance to end their series. I'm not a guy that says to play parlays, but I'm also a guy that plays parlays. Celtics, Nuggets, and Suns, three teams looking to close out their series tonight at home. A three-way parlay there is it's still like minus 190. <laughs> but the Celtics tonight are 13-point home favorites. The Nuggets are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. And the Suns are 12-point favorites. Do I have any reason or do you have any reason to believe that any of these series do not end tonight? I can't think of one. I can't think of who who doesn't get the job done tonight. I guess if I gunned ahead, I could see the Clippers having one more push in them, but I don't think not so. Not without Kawhi. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody gets the job done here tonight. I, I think I think all these series go These series go are over. Yeah. The home teams will close out the series tonight. I, I Celtics think, close it out. Nuggets close be. it out. Suns close it out. It's over. And now we have to start looking ahead to the potential for what the matchups are going to be like in the next round and what those numbers are going to look like. I'll tell you right now, you look at the latest odds in the NBA, the futures odds right now, as far as uh, I guess we'll start with to win the NBA championship. The Celtics are the favorite, plus 200. I don't see anybody in the East that is going to beat the Boston Celtics right now. You and I feel differently about because you Sixers. like the Sixers. Sixers, I, are, Sixers are plus seven fifty to win the NBA title. I don't think the Sixers can win the NBA title. I think the Sixers can win the Eastern Conference. Well, Sixers right now plus three fifty to win the East. I Celtics don't minus one hundred five. Oh, that's absurd. Minus one hundred five. They have to. I mean, I guess you know. I mean, the, when I think about that, the, the Sixers' odds have basically been cut in half too. So it does make sense. The Bucks being out of the picture the Bucks just, are be out of, just even cleared the Bucks up so are much. Still plus three fifty, but they're out. Of, they're going to be done. They're not yeah. winning the series. I, I think you're right. My Knicks are plus 1,100 to win the East. Yeah. You know, <laughs> stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. In the Western Conference, it's the Suns. Suns are plus 400. The Nuggets are plus 850. Warriors 
plus 900. That's really interesting because the Warriors are plus 900 to win the NBA Finals. The Kings are 50 to 1. Wow. To win the Western Conference, Warriors are plus 300. And the clip, the uh, the Kings, 14 to 1. Is it scary to, to, to place a bet on an Eastern Conference team that's not the Bucs to win the East, just assuming the Bucs are gone? You, you, uh, yes, assume the Bucs are gone. You, you're done with them. You know the last time a, a one seed was down 3-1 in a playoff series? When was it? 2007. And did they come back and win? They did not. That okay. was the Golden State Warriors. Baron Davis-led Golden State Warriors taking out the Dallas Mavericks. Wow. The one seed Dallas Mavericks went home. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It does. It feels to me. It feels like it's it's Sixers, or, and maybe I'm dumb for riding off the heat again. But it does feel like it's Sixers or Celtics to me. Of course, it's Sixers or Celtics. There have been 258 teams to win their series. Oh, excuse me, 271 playoff series, three to one in the NBA uh, playoffs ever. Only 13 times teams have recovered from down three one. Four point eight percent. In the first round, are you ready for this? 75 total series have gone to 3-1 in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Only three times a team has come back to win. Yeah. Three times out of 75. Bucks are Bucks are done. I'm with you. Series is over. I'm with you. Series is over. Uh, so the rest of the Western Conference, Suns plus 155 to win the conference. Lakers now plus 380. Mm. Taking the Lakers seriously? I think you kind of have to. I think you do. I mean, it's not like the it's not like the Lakers couldn't possibly beat the Warriors or, or Sacramento for that matter. I mean, if if you can say this team's going to be in the dance, yeah, yeah, got to take them seriously. But I think uh, seriously, I think all three home teams close it out tonight. Celtics, who are massive favorites over the Hawks, Nuggets over the Timberwolves, and Suns over the Clippers. We're talking about double digit favorites, so uh, I, I would be shocked if we see another game in any of these series tonight. Speaking of the Celtics, former Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka has a new job. Do we say disgraced former Celtics coach? Alleged. Okay. Well, I mean, he didn't fight back very hard on it. I'm I'm pretty sure he's disgraced. The Rockets (laughs) said, okay, we'll take a disgraced guy that can coach. Fine by me. I mean, there's no doubt this was the best available basketball coach Mm -hmm. on the market. So if you're willing to look past personal stuff, which if you're a team like the Rockets, you absolutely should be willing to look past that. You got to do something to to give your team a spark. Steven Silas clearly wasn't it. This, This feels like a home run move. I don't know how close this roster is, but if they get Wimbanyama, they're a lot closer, yeah, and they'll have a – I shouldn't say they'll have a, a coaching edge over anybody else who's in that mix since Greg Popovich is in that mix. But it, certain, it certainly gives them a chance to turn things around rather quickly when you got a guy like Udoka. He's a guy that, you know, his name might not carry weight, but his experience does, and the results speak for themselves. Sure. He's had success, so uh, I think it's a good hire for a team that is in, you know, desperation – to rebuild. So good job. Good job by the Rockets. Finally got something right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it. And it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Well, I couldn't be more wrong about what was going to go on in the Stanley Cup playoffs last night, AJ. I had a feeling VGK, Bubba. Well, it's not just that. I felt the home teams would come through. By the way, I've been wrong a lot in these Stanley Cup playoffs. And while it's affected my wallet and my bank account, my enjoyment of what I've been watching is at an all-time high. It has been fun. Because I've watched a little bit of hockey. the Stanley Cup playoffs have been incredible. Do you realize we have had 10 overtime games that's absurd in the first round of the stanley cup playoffs 10 overtime games if you just i said this why weren't we doing this why weren't we betting the draw in every game i don't know i don't bet hockey that's probably why you should have don't say we bet the draw in every game this was on you 10 overtime games in the first round what do you get on each one of those about five to one no less than that you probably get like I said, it's probably around plus three thirty, okay. plus three fifty, depending on if it's a favorite. Like that means every night that, th- that four games play, you have to hit at least one to stay profitable. Yeah, so it's probably not the move. Yeah, but some nights you get more than one. That's true. So, like for tonight, example, Carolina and the Islanders, it's uh, plus three hundred on if the game's going to go to overtime. Okay, but they're probably learning their lesson. But the Kings and Oilers, where the Oilers are a heavier favorite. Plus 360. Except they've been to overtime three out of four games. Plus 360. 
Mm. <laughs> now we jump on it now and they don't go yeah, to overtime. Course. It's like they go to overtime and Oilers and win eight one. Three of the three of the first four games of this series have gone to overtime. We bet that four, we bet the fifth game will go to overtime and it doesn't. Uh, but no, last night was an exciting night. The road teams continued to dominate until the Seattle Kraken won an overtime at home. That was the first home team to win a game since Friday. Literally. On Ooh. Friday, Friday night, the Kings beat the Oilers in overtime 3-2. to two. On Saturday, all four road teams won. On Sunday, all four road teams won. On Monday, the first three road teams won. <laughs> By my calculations, that's 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, right? Yeah. Yeah, 11 straight. Wow. And then the Kraken win. So last night, Devils. Beat the Rangers three to one. And as much as like I want to give credit to the Devils, they didn't do anything in this game. The Rangers, absolutely one of the worst hockey games I've ever seen. They and and maybe credit goes to the Devils defense because the Rangers, it seemed like never had possession of the puck. And the Devils weren't trying anything offensively. The Devils scored early on. A fluke breakaway by Jack Hughes. The the puck was deep inside the zone. The Rangers were pestering the goal. And then the defender flips it up, like, out of the zone. And Jack Hughes is so fast, skates it down, gets a breakaway, converts on the breakaway. Jack Hughes has just been phenomenal for the Devils in this series. After that, this thing goes scoreless until the third period, where the Rangers finally tie the game, but then give up the lead on a, a goal by... A guy who doesn't score in Jogen, uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, and then they Made go. Name. Yeah, then they give up the empty netter uh, at the end there to uh, Andre Palat. But this was just one of the worst games I've watched the New York Rangers play all season. They the two games in New Jersey look like a look like a, a distant memory, and now I can't even say that the Devils have the edge in the series or have been the better team in the series because. You know, the overtime win in game three was a coin flip. Anybody's game. This game felt like the Rangers had no gas and and just really played a terrible game from in, in, in not defensively, but offensively, no possession whatsoever. Just a terrible, terrible game. So what you said after the first couple games was this Devils team just doesn't have the physicality to play playoff hockey with yeah. the Rangers. Has that changed? Like, have the, have yes. the Devils done something to say, okay, they're not as soft as I thought they were? Um, they haven't been as physical. Like, I thought the Rangers needed to pick up the hitting. I really did in this game particularly because I thought that that's what helped them in games one and two is that they were the more physical team. I think that the, the difference in what we saw last night was that the Devils did not allow the Rangers to establish the zone at all. And so the Rangers had no offensive possessions. And the power play, which was four for seven maybe in the first two games, where you know Chris Kreider was scoring every power play, Rangers haven't scored a power play goal since. So they had opportunities last night. They had, I believe it was three power plays, didn't convert. And the same thing occurred in game number three, didn't convert on, on the power play. But only 23 shots on goal for the Rangers. That's that's not New York Rangers hockey. It's just not. And and they had 36 in game number three. 
the one that went to overtime. That was the game where I was like, okay, Devils made the goaltender switch. Akira Schmid, bigger body. He played great. The Rangers got to figure him out. That's not what happened last night. I didn't think that the Rangers got outplayed by a better goaltender. I just thought the Rangers did not do anything offensively. Devils are, are right back in this series. It's tied at two games apiece. Rangers are still favored in the series, though, minus 115. And when these two teams meet at the Prudential Center for game number five, well, Devils are a small favorite at minus 130. It seems like the road team has won every game in this series, and that might continue in game number five. Speaking of the road team winning, the Toronto Maple Leafs take a 3-1 series lead over the Lightning, and they might finally get over that first-round hump, AJ. They might finally do it. Well, this one took some drama. It, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a 4-1 to lead in the third period. And for the first time in their playoff history, they lose a game where they had a three-goal lead in the third period. Oof. The Maple Leafs scored three unanswered goals in the span of six minutes to tie the game at four. And then the Maple Leafs win in overtime 5-4. You want to talk about Dream Crusher scenario? The Maple Leafs are minus 150 at home on Thursday night. That's a hammer spot. This series is over. That is the ultimate dream crusher. Playing at home, series on the line, pretty much. You're the defending three-time Eastern Conference champion, and you blow a 4-1 lead in the third period? You're not coming back home. This series is over. Toronto minus 150 on Thursday night. That's a hammer spot. Speaking of taking a three games to one lead, the Vegas Golden Knights beating the Jets 4-2. This was a close game, but it was really a close game, 1-1 after one. Second period, Vegas had the edge, scoring two goals, and uh, really a a solid performance defensively. Um, You know, Laurent Bossois made 24 saves, but only 26 shots on goal. Same thing, like only 29 shots for Vegas. But this was a good defensive hockey game. Vegas just was able to to pull ahead. And now they're up three games to one. Game five on Thursday, Vegas minus 155. Uh, I, I still think, I think it's the dream crusher scenario as well. Three to one. I think they get the job done. Nice. The Kraken, even up their series with the Avalanche, three to two. The only home team to win, snapping the streak of the road teams. They took a 2-0 lead after the first period. And just like they've done in every single game in this series, AJ, they blew it. They've blown leads. (laughs) They've scored first in every game of this series. And in game number one, where they won three to one, they were up one nothing, and then they went on to win three to one. Game number two, up two nothing after the first period, they lose the game three to two. Game number three, they were up uh, one nothing. And then down two to one at the end of the first period. And in this game, up two nothing at the end of the first period, but they hold on to win. They escape in overtime thanks to a power play in overtime. Uh, Jordan Eberly scoring the power play goal just three minutes into the extra session. So the Kraken win three to two. And now that series is even up at two games apiece. I'll give you a guess on what the odds are for that series. Now that it's two two. The Avalanche will have two of the final three games in Colorado. So, what do you think this? Uh, what do you think the spread is? 
Uh, I will go Colorado is what seed are they? Colorado is one of the top seeds. They were the division. They were the division one seed. Or, no, they were two seed, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll go minus two f- f- 50. Minus 260. No, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. That's a good guess for the non-educated yeah, that's here. A, that's a good guess. Minus 260. Can I interest you? In the Kraken at plus 210? No. What you can interest me in is, and I asked you off air <laughs> okay. if this was something you can do. I, I want the the Kraken to score first. I think there's something. You can bet on them to score first. Yeah. I think, especially, and I'm guessing since they're the underdog, I would get a plus money price, right? Yes, you would. It, They've scored first in every game. There's something about the way they're approaching this series. They start off They're fast. being aggressive yeah. early. So I, I like that. I, it feels like. Four games in a row, it's not an accident mm-hmm. that they're the first team scoring. So I like a prop that has them scoring first. All right. Well, they're one of the highest scoring teams in hockey. I think they are the highest scoring team in hockey. So uh, that's not a bad bet. And we'll see if they can make it five for five when they play um, later on this week. So tonight we have the Hurricanes with a chance to close out the Islanders at home. Carolina leads three games to one. They are minus 160 tonight. Oof. As much as I respect the Islanders and the way that they fight, just feels like this series is over. And that loss in game number four was the dream crusher scenario that we talk about. Just looking at what the Hurricanes have done at home this season, yeah, it's hard to imagine them losing this game. Yeah. So. so I think uh, Carolina minus 160, probably a safe bet for them to uh, finish out this series. Wild Stars and Kings Oilers both tied at two games apiece. Let's play the prediction game once again. I'll, first, I'll tell you tonight, both home teams are favored. Okay. Stars are minus 150. Oilers minus 230, which seems crazy it, it, considering so that close. every game goes to overtime. You know what? I say, I, What can I get for plus one and a half? Minus 130 on the Kings. I think I'll take that this time. Last time yeah. it was like minus 200, and I was like, oh, that's too pricey. Yeah. Here, I, I, these two teams are play, like the Kings are better than people thought, mm-hmm. and Edmonton is trying really hard to choke this away. Mm-hmm. Give me Kings plus one and a half goals. I I don't hate it. Three of the first four games in this series have gone to overtime. The current series prices, Edmonton is minus 280. Oh, this isn't much of a game. I thought Uh, I was guessing again. I'm sorry. Well, Edmonton's minus 280 over the Kings. Dallas minus 140 over the Wild. Those are the series prices right now. You know what? What's the comeback on L.A.? Like 220, 225? Comeback on L.A. is plus 220. To win the series. That's tempting to me. Because, again, these teams, they're like a – it's a coin flip. Yeah. Mm. Maybe I'll just take my plus one and a half. Just take your plus one and a half. Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. Totals for tonight's game, Islanders-Hurricanes, five and a half. Same thing with the Wild Stars, six and a half for the Kings and the Oilers. This is a play that intrigues me tonight. Carolina plus 170 for the minus one and a half puck line. Reason why I say that is because it's an elimination game and I expect Carolina to win. I think the Islanders empty the net. And even if it's oof, actually I'm gonna get a little I'm gonna get a little cute here. If you can find an alternate line, alternate puck line. You're gonna say but by two and a half? Yeah. They blow them out? No. It doesn't have to be a blowout, but I do think, oh, and, this, and this is why I like the over as well, Is and I would take the over in Carolina team total because the Islanders will empty the net if they're losing, and then even if they're losing by two, the net's still going to be empty. Yeah. Because this is it. The season's over. 
So if there's two and a half minutes left in the game, and it's a one-goal game, Islanders empty the net, and then Carolina scores. Now the score is 2 nothing, with two minutes left. Guess what? Net's still empty. Then it's 3 nothing, with a minute 30 left. Guess what? Net's still Net's empty. Net's still empty. Because the season's on the line. And you know what happens? Islanders put one in. Now it's 3-1. to one. Guess what? Net's still, Net's still empty. empty. Let's roll. And there you go. Carolina puts another one in, 4-1. to one. I like it. So a one nothing game with like three minutes left or two minutes left could actually become 4-1. to one. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but didn't we just see the Islanders beat the Hurricanes 5-1 to one when in a game they was scored like, yeah. four goals on the final four shots that they took <laughs> with four minutes the plan left in all the along. game? That was the plan all along. They scored the goal with four minutes left on the power play to take a 2-1 lead. Then they scored seconds later to take a 3-1 lead. Then they scored an empty netter to make it a 4-1 game. And then they scored again to make it 5-1 just for good measure just seconds later. So, like, stranger things have happened in this series. But I do like Carolina to close it out tonight. Play it however you want to play it. Uh, Quite the day in Major League Baseball yesterday, AJ. I I tweeted this out last night. You can make a lot of money in sports betting if you can identify when teams will take the night off. Because it happens. 162 games in a Major League Baseball season, teams take the night off. Yeah. In the NBA, we certainly see it. Who are we accusing of taking a night off? Uh, I think the Guardians took the night off against the Rockies, only managing four hits and losing 6 nothing. Yeah, that's not a good look. Um, I feel like the Yankees took the night off. Although Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray has something to do with that. Yeah. Uh, here's his, his game log by earned runs. Zero, one, mm. zero, mm. one, mm. zero. Yeah. In list. Point six, <laughs> a .62 ERA for Sonny Gray. Two earned runs in five starts. Mm-hmm. He's good at throwing a baseball. Although... Aaron Judge doubled off of him in, uh, I don't know what inning it was, but I think it was the fourth inning. It's a 3 nothing game in the fourth inning. And the way that the ballpark is in Minnesota, in right field, they have a really high wall with, like, the ledge that has the plants. And if the ball mm-hmm. hits the plants, it's a home run. But if it hits the concrete ledge or, ledge or whatever, it's, it's just in play. So Judge hits a double. And according to uh, Would It Dung, which is a fantastic Twitter page, Exit velo of 102.6 miles per hour on that judge shot against Sonny Gray. Launch angle of 35 degrees, projected distance 348 feet. It would have been a home run in 14 of 30 Major League ballparks, including Yankee Stadium. But it was not a home run. It was only a double in Minnesota. And Sonny Gray still has not given up a home run this year. Nope. And that was one of... Three hits yeah. that Sonny gave yep. up yesterday. He was phenomenal. and But the Yankees took the night off. I, I, but also. They've taken a lot of nights off lately. You got to admit, this Johnny Brito, he's not supposed to be here. Like, this, this is, he's not holding up his end of the deal. No. This is, this is a, a bad pitcher right now. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think he was that bad. He, uh, he had a good first inning, he, and then he, got, he couldn't get anybody out in the second. He ran into trouble. Uh, in the second inning, he did. And then this is the thing. Like, the Yankees, like, the first reliever out of the pen is Greg Wiesert. 
You know, it's, it's like the Yankees took the night off. It happens. Right. Teams take the night off. The Astros took the night off last night. They 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 went into Tampa, and they actually took a two nothing lead. They were fat and happy. Just swept the Braves on the yeah. road. They're feeling good. Took a two nothing lead in the top of the first inning, and then they gave it right back. And they were like, ah, whatever. They took a, they took a three two lead. And then in the bottom of the third, gave it all right back. And that was all she wrote. Yeah, they, they hammered Jose Arquiti. And I, I've had the philosophy of because the Rays are down so many starters, or they they were down, they just got Zach Eflin back, mm-hmm. who I do like. But it was when when it's not if it's you know not one of their go-to starters, if it's not Rasmussen, if it's not McClanahan, if it's not uh Eflin. I, I'm that's the nights that I would look to fade him. I think I have to add Taj Bradley to he, like he's just a quality starter. He, like so far, it's yeah. a young career, so it's hard to say. But man, he's he's looked every bit the part, and with that team behind him, he's going to win a lot of games. And it is now a major league record. They did it. Fourteen straight wins at home. It sets the modern era mark. Let's keep that in mind. It's the modern era. We're not talking about uh, the uh, 1911 Detroit Tigers and the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers. Not, not the uh, Actually, Connie Mack-led Philadelphia A's. Or... The longest streak in MLB history, 21 in a row, set by the 1880 Chicago White Stockings. Mm. Okay. Um, the Rays, 20-3 and three overall only. The 1911 Tigers and the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers had better starts to the season. Uh, 21 and two were the records for those teams. The, uh, let's see, longest winning streaks at home, 21 by the Chicago White Stockings in 1880, the Detroit Wolverines, 18 straight in 1886, the St. Louis Maroons, 16 straight in 1884, and now the Tampa Bay Rays, 14 straight. In 2023, if you told one of those members of the White Stockings, Wolverines, or Maroons that in 2023, the Tampa Bay Rays would have won 14 straight games. You know what they'd say? What's Tampa Bay? What are the Rays? That's not a real team. First of all, they would have said, what's 2023? (laughs) That's not a real year. A real team is called the Maroons or the Wolverines. (laughs) Then they would have said, what's a Ray? Then they would have said, what's a Tampa? Yeah. What's a Tampa Bay? <laughs> yes. You're probably right. <laughs> a, whole lot, a whole lot of confusion. A whole lot of questions. Yeah. Future man, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so the Rays set the modern era mark, 14 straight wins at home. They're just incredible. It's And I don't even know why I bet against them. I did. I took the Astros plus a one and a half. Boy, that was stupid. Um, just don't ever bet against the race. It's hard to, isn't it? Don't ever bet against the race. Here's who you can bet against, though. Lance Lynn. He just continues he came to through deliver. for conti- it. Just it's great. So if a team, it's like Patrick Corbin Day. If you if if they're gonna put a two and a half first five team total out there with these guys on the mound, you just gotta continue to pound it. And the Blue Jays, they wind up taking care of business. They score four runs right off of Lance Lynn. They go on to win the game five to two. And you know who else is starting to fall into that category? Not starting to. Who is in that category? As somebody tweeted at me to remind me, I said, what's better than Patrick Corbin Day or Lance Lynn Day? 
Jose Suarez Day for the oh, yeah? A's. Jose Suarez. Uh, they, A's oh, Day. Oh, for the Angels, I'm sorry. For oh, the I Angels. Saying, I was like, Whoa. Against the A's. Suarez gave up seven runs on eight hits in five innings against the Oakland Athletics. Mm. And Ken Waldachuk, who's another fade, he, he gave up five runs. In five innings. Strong work, boys. I, I said, you know what? I didn't give this out, but I actually did give it out on the show yesterday. So if you listened yesterday morning, I said the over was the way to look because yeah. of these two bad pitchers, and the game just completely shot over the total. Another game that went over, just by one run, but that's all we needed to go over, was the Orioles and the Red Sox. Chris Sale, coming off his best performance of the season, Went back to being Chris Sale. Yep. Five runs on nine hits in five innings. And Dean Kramer, who was also coming off his best start, went back to being Dean Kramer. Gave up four runs on seven hits in five and two-thirds innings. This was a 4-4 game after four innings. It ended 5-4. <laughs> so think about, like, you had the over eight and, like, it hits at nine. But imagine if you you live bet this game or something, and oh, you were like, oh, whoops. man, these teams are hitting, huh? Yeah. Yeah, thinking like the Red Sox bullpen stinks. Uh, yeah, it wound up being just a 5-4 game. Here's something that happened last night that was very exciting. Spencer Strider. Oh, I was watching this live. He, I texted you when it was 15 up, 15 down. Yeah. I wanted to get it on your radar. Yeah, I, I, turned, wanna, I turned the TV on, did, yeah. I didn't want to jinx the perfect game. But I said, you know what? 15 up, 15 down is something that we might want to pay attention to. And it was 18 up, 18 down. And now you're thinking, whoa, something's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. Strider goes into the eighth inning. There was an error that was recorded. In the seventh. In the seventh. E3. Yeah. What a joke. But the no-no was still alive. Yeah. But then he gave up two hits. Back to back. That's how, that's how it tends to work. Yeah. And the first one was so cheap. Mm. It, I mean, it looked like he hit it with a pitching wedge. Like, <laughs> I, almost like took it off the ground. It was like, oh, that's how? Really? But a tip of the cap to Spencer Strider, who goes eight innings, allows just the two hits, strikes out 13 batters. That's, that's more than nine and a half. It's more than nine. Yeah. Nine was, it was nine, 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 nine. Now it's 13. So yeah. oh, congratulations. They're going to crank his number up next week. Probably be 10 and a half. Oh boy. Or 10. Hey, you know, one game we were both right on. What's that? Reds Rangers. You said, over. you said, I'm just going to go with the over. I said, I think I'm going to back the Reds outright. Guess what? Both were yeah. seven six Reds win comeback uh, win because the Rangers oh they beat up on him up. yeah I I don't know Lodolo gave up six runs on nine hits in four innings yeah not not a good look for Nick Lodolo I don't know what's happening to him the the Cincinnati Reds jersey is starting to rub off on him a little but yeah uh, but the Reds come all the way back get a win uh, so I, that was a nice one that we both had the right read on just in different directions. Yes. Wish I gave it out, but Hey, that's why you got to listen to this show. Cause sometimes I talk about plays that are not given out, but they're feels and they're good feels. We always like good, good vibrations. Yeah. Let's take a look at what we have here on the schedule on Tuesday night, because there are a couple of series that do begin, including, uh, one that I find rather intriguing. So we'll start with the Rockies and Guardians that will continue their series after the Rockies blanked the Guardians uh, last night. Cleveland minus 210. They'll send Peyton Bettenfield to the mound against Reed Feltner. The total there is 8.5. Red Sox and Orioles play game two of their set. Kyle Bradish goes for Baltimore against Corey Kluber. Baltimore's minus 165. Mm. 
I was hoping we'd get lucky like we did yesterday with Sale, get, like given the uh, mm-mm, mm-mm, the nice mm-mm. number. They're mm-mm. like, no, Corey Kluber actually stinks. Yeah, I think he does. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to back the Orioles at one sixty five. It's the only way I can look. Though. Seven straight games. Yeah, they're looking good, man. The Orioles have the longest winning streak in Major League Baseball. That's seven straight games. I think the next game you're going to talk about, I might want to back a dog. Well, this is another team that is tied with the Orioles for the longest winning streak in Major League Baseball at seven straight wins. The Pirates, home dogs to the Dodgers. Noah Syndergaard pitching for the Dodgers. Johan Oviedo, who's gotten off to a nice start pitching for the Pirates. Syndergaard 0-3, mm-hmm. ERA just below five. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Pir- uh, Pirates feel like a good number here. Uh, getting, kind, getting a plus at it's, home. It's kind of hard to pass up on these Pirates right now as home dogs, although it's. I keep thinking they're going to come back to the pack here at some point, especially playing as good as they're playing without O'Neill Cruz. But maybe this team is just they, – they got some mojo, got some things going on. Uh, Tampa Bay minus 178 oh. at home against the Astros. Why do you say numbers like that? Right? <laughs> Drew Rasmussen against Luis Garcia. It's like every time I think, man, the Astros can't be this heavy of a dog. And then they lose 8-3. So can I feel that way again? No. Are the Rays ever going to lose at home? At some point. But you won't be betting. You won't be on the team that beats I'm them. I'm not touching them. Any. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. I'm not making that mistake. Drew Rasmussen on the hill. Man, this team is just team of destiny. Uh, Bailey Falter goes for the Phillies. They'll host the Mariners and Logan Gilbert. Seattle minus 125 on the road. Do we like the Phillies as home dogs here against the uh, against Logan Gilbert? The Mariners are another team where I have liked fading the Mariners with some of their starters. Logan Gilbert's one of the starters I actually like for them, though. Uh, it feels like there's you know there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of great pitching for the for the Mariners, but Logan Gilbert, uh, George Kirby, and um, like why can't Luis I Castillo. Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. When it's those three guys, eh, it's it's Mariners are pass for me. Yeah, probably where I'm at with this game. I don't know. It's like the Phillies is home dogs. You'd like to, you'd like to to to, to get in on that. Uh, we'll see. Rangers will send Martin Perez to the mound in Cincinnati against Luke Weaver for the Reds. Texas is minus one forty total of nine and a half. Hard to not like the Rangers to bounce back. Is it hard to not like the over again? This time, <laughs> nine and a half. Like, there's no uh, no Nick Lodolo on the mound for the Reds, and if they're hitting Nick Lodolo like that, I imagine they hit Luke Weaver pretty good. Yeah, yeah, probably what we're gonna see here. White Sox at the Blue Jays. Jose Barrios takes the mound for Toronto. Mike Clevenger goes for the White Sox. I'll say this: Why does Barrios as a minus two ten favorite? I don't want any part of that. I don't either, and I, I don't like. Barrios is still getting respect like he's, you know, like this is three or four years ago, Jose mm-hmm. Barrios. It's not. Uh, and Mike Clevenger isn't what he once was, but he might be better than Jose Barrios right now. Minus 210 is a silly number. It's nonsensical even. It doesn't make sense to me. Nationals are at the Mets. Uh, Josiah Gray will go for the Nationals. The Mets, meanwhile, I'm not sure who's uh, starting for the Mets here. Would this is this supposed to be Scherzer's time in the rotation? And because of the suspension, I think so. he's not. So of the Mets, I don't think they've announced the starting pitcher yet for tonight. Uh, we know that Kode Senga goes tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then Joey Lucchese will start on 
Thursday, but no announced pitcher for today yet. So maybe a bullpen day for the Mets or maybe calling somebody up. Got to see what the Mets are going to do here for, um, for this start. Marlins will be at the Braves. Charlie Morton goes for the Braves. And Brian Hoeing will make his 2023 debut, it looks like, for the Miami Marlins. This is a guy who, uh, in relief work last year, not good. 12.08 ERA. Mm. We'll see. What, 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 what's the uh, number on the Braves? Uh, actually, haven't seen a number on the Braves right now. So kind of maybe just awaiting the confirmation. On the starting pitcher. This feels like a minus one and a half, although I hate that. Braves minus 240. Mm. After after an 11-0 win, maybe hard to to back them to Mm -hmm. have another blowout, but boy. Charlie Morton's been pretty solid. Charlie Morton is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Eh, All right. Tigers at the Brewers. Eric Lauer goes from Milwaukee. They're minus 178. Spencer Turnbull. When Spencer Turnbull pitches, the Tigers are going to lose. Yeah, we'll go with the Brewers in this one. Yankees at the Twins. Nasty Nestor Cortez. Against Joe Ryan. Ooh, someone's always got to go. Well, somebody can get a no decision. Mm, you're right. Cortez 3-0, Joe Ryan 4-0. It, Minnesota two, two solid minus, p- this is a good pitching matchup. Minnesota minus 125, total of seven. Oh, that's a low total. That's so low total. But you know what? The Twins don't have a big offense. But the Yankees, their bats are They're just, asleep right now. Their bats are absolutely dead. The under's actually catching money at minus 130. I, can you go under seven with the Yankees? Not me. As bad as their offense has been? Not me. Cortez, Joe Ryan, good matchup here. Maybe an under first five, three and a half. Yeah. Hmm. Padres take on the Cubbies. Blake Snell goes for the Padres. Justin Steele goes for the Cubs. I got to tell you something. Justin Steele is very, very, has impressed me a lot. He is. I I would uh, I, I'm kind of sniffing around the Padres as dogs here with Snell pitching. I know he hasn't been great this year. Mm-hmm. Still the Padres, still Blake Snell. Feel like as a dog, it feels like a pretty pretty solid price on them. Mm. Uh, I, I feel like Chicago's they they got some they got something going here. I like backing Justin Steele at okay. least early on, maybe in the first five innings. The A's will take on the Angels. Mason Miller. Going for the A's, Griffin Canning for the Angels. I would look at A's first five. With Mason Miller? Yep. As long as he's out there, they've got a chance. When he leaves, mm-hmm. struck out five against the Cubs in four and a third inning. He's in really good. Major League debut. And the numbers Dude didn't. throws gas, 102. Yeah, the numbers didn't say he had a great outing, but I, I watched it. He was impressive to me. So I, I, I want a piece of him, uh, especially as a big dog here. But it'll only be first five because as soon as he left his first game, things fell apart on him. Well, yeah, their bullpen stinks. Uh, the Royals take on the Diamondbacks. Brady Singer going for the Royals and Ryan Nelson for Arizona. Arizona is uh, minus 140 with a total of nine and a half there. Anderson, Nevada's own Ryan Nelson. Really? Yeah. Well, good for him. Uh, then we got the Cardinals at the Giants. The Cardinals will send uh, Jake Woodford to the mound after their bats completely disappeared last night. The Giants have not announced a starting pitcher yet. For Cardinals tonight. are a mess. I, I like they, there's they too, act together. There's so much talent on that team, and they stink. I don't understand it. It's like, uh, man, I don't know. This is year number two for Oliver Marmol. Is it a year two or year one and a half? Like, I guess, it's, yeah, it's second full or it's his second season. Yeah. 
And, and look, they, they won the NL Central last year, so you're not going to fire the guy. But this team's got expectations, although it is a transition. And last year, I was very down on the Cardinals because I thought that it was going to be just a season-long farewell tour. Yeah. You know, for, for Yachty, for Pujols, for Wainwright. And it's like, this season is just... They're not, they're not trying to win. They're not good enough to win. This is just a complete, you know, farewell tour. But not, not the case as they won the division last year, and they look great. And this year, you're looking at this lineup that they had, you know, last year, and you're just like, wait a minute. You got Goldie. You got Arenado. Jordan Ty- Walker can hit. Yeah. He's certainly been great. Nolan Gorman, Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill. This is a really good team. Ryan Helsley in the bullpen. It's a really good team. Gotten off to a horrific start because the starting pitching has not been there. For nope. Them. Has not been there at all. They're 9 and 14. And they made they made 35-year-old Alex Cobb look like 25-year-old yeah. Alex Cobb. Not a good look. That's just just a bad start for, for them. So uh that's what we have going on tonight here in Major League Baseball. Head on over to pregame.com and get a hold of a daily best bet package or a season-long subscription package. Maybe you want a seven-day all-access package. Whatever you'd like, you can take 20% off using one of our promo codes. You can either use the promo code WISEGUY20 or PUCK20. Either one will get you 20% off, so if you've used one, then use the other. If you haven't used one, well, then use that one. But promo codes WISEGUY20 or PUCK20 will get you 20% off at pregame.com. For A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.